Welcome to Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. The movement of events into the virtual and hybrid space means speaker location is not as relevant as it once was. Clients are reaching across the globe to hire talented speakers. In today's episode, learn a language right now. Our guests are going to share techniques and tools for picking up a new language and wowing new audiences. Are you ready? Let's get started. On this segment, we have Alan Berg. Alan is a CSP, one of only 36 in the world global speaking fellows. Now, why Alan is here to talk to us about learning other languages as a speaker is that he started taking Spanish and within three years from his start, he was presenting in three different countries in Espanol. Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, muchas gracias. <laughs> What inspired you to learn another language in the first place? I was in Mexico uh, speaking at a conference and I'm sitting uh, having lunch and I'm thinking to myself, why when someone comes to the U.S., we expect them to speak English mm -hmm. and when we go to their country, we expect them to speak English. <laughs> and I realized that's why people have this impression of us as the ugly American is because we expect you to adapt to us. So here I am in Mexico. Now, in all fairness, I was in the Cancun area and everybody speaks English over there. So uh, that really wasn't uh, a problem, but that still didn't make it right. So I said, why don't I just try to learn? Because I, 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 I took Spanish in high school, right? High school was a long time ago, <laughs> a long time ago. So I said, I, I'm, I, I should learn just to be curious. That was it. There was no, I'm going to present in Spanish. There was, believe me, there was no goal like that. It was, I want to be able to say, hi, my name is Alan. What's your name? Nice to meet you. How's your family? You know, do that. So you're a professional uh, speaker. You weren't learning it to speak, to learn the language for presenting. No. So let's just take it from there. What, what tools or methods did you use to learn this language that you would eventually be presenting across the globe in? Right. So I started with Rosetta Stone and, uh, you know, I'd see the ads and see the ads and see the ads. And I looked up the price and it was like $450. I was like, no, I'm not buying it. And, uh, and, and then like months later, Groupon comes along for like $250. So I was like, all right, there's a sign. Uh, you know, the language gods are here. So I bought it. And here's really interesting. I have bookshelves right over here. And you know, if you buy Rosetta Stone and put the box on the shelf, you don't learn any Spanish. Not at all. Oh, no. None. You have to do uh, something with it? Amazing. Amazing. I thought if I held the box, but no. So uh, months went by and I ended up someplace else where it would have been helpful. And I'm like, you know what? You got to do this. But I don't have the time. We've all said that. I don't have the time. Matter of fact, in one of my books here, Your Attitude for Success, I talk about the whole we don't have the time thing. So, well, when could I do this? See, because the issue with Rosetta Stone is you do it on your computer and now they have an apps now, obviously this was 2013. So, uh, gosh, seven years ago. So you do it on your computer and you need to read, write, speak, and understand. Okay. So it's not an on the go driving kind of thing. It's a, I'm in front of my computer. I'm like, gosh, I'm in front of my computer all the time, but I'm not going to do it there. Wait a minute. I was on my treadmill one day. And my treadmill has a place to put a book or a magazine, but it's, it's not angled very much. I'm like, you know what? I got a couple of those little rubber pads, put my laptop on so it wouldn't slide, put the headset on, and I did Rosetta Stone on my treadmill, all four levels. Oh, fabulous. Now, how long, how long did it take you to complete the course? Just approximately. Out of um, 
uh, took me, I would say, well, of course, there's four levels of it. So I would say probably took me a year, year and a half, maybe, maybe not even. And that's doing it pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you, it, it's, a, it's a really good system, uh, okay. but you have to be looking at a screen, you know, and that, that's, that was the thing with that. But you do get to read and you write and you so i could get to like 3.8 miles an hour on the treadmill and i could still write <laughs> and speak and still breathe so you, it took you about a year and a half to do this you didn't present until three years later what were right. you doing to stay sharp in the meantime because it would be very easy to lose what you had just right. acquired so i started with the rosetta stone and then i asked some uh, people in nsa i said what do you guys do to learn a language and they recommended pimsler audio so p-i-m like mary s-l-e-u-r and it was an audio program so then i was able to do it in the car so i get in the car and it, it was cds uh first now it's of course all you know mp uh, digital and audible and all that kind of stuff and i would just when i was driving so i get in my car i'm going to the store i'm doing spanish lessons i have a client in dc which is 200 miles away three and a half hours each way 30 minute lessons 30 lessons per level i would do each level twice so that's an hour per level there's 30 mm-hmm. levels so that's 60 30 hours of stuff but you know you go three and a half hours to dc and back and you can do that and and then anybody i could speak to getting an uber and somebody's got you know a hispanic accent or the 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 good clue is the radio is on the spanish station or the if the gps is in spanish you know you're Ah. you're you're not going to offend anybody there uh orlando la i get that all the time okay Um, housekeepers waiters waitresses friends just people that i know nsa people just doing it you you learn by doing it uh and in january 2016 mm-hmm. a conference i was supposed to speak at in september in mexico i'm chatting with her in spanish on facebook messenger okay and i don't know what came over me crystal i really don't and i said i got nine months i said you know what i'm going to present twice uh how about i do the second one in spanish Ooh. she's all excited she writes me back she goes you're going to open the conference i was like no 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 <laughs> no I will close the conference and surprise everyone because I've been, I've already been speaking Spanish in the hallways with people at conferences and stuff as much as I could. I would call it Spanglish more than Spanish. Okay. Uh, Just because of vocabulary, right? Right. You just don't know the words you don't know until you need them. And I promised, I said, I'll do that. Then she introduces me to a conference in Uruguay for August. So that's eight months. And that's what started the journey. So in August, I ended up presenting in Panama on my way to Uruguay, Mm -hmm. then in Uruguay, and then for her in Mexico. And when you're speaking in these other languages on stage, are you translating your slides? Is there a different thought process? Are you just taking your English and and turning it directly into Spanish? Do you have to... (sighs) study their customs, help, help us understand the preparation behind this. So going to another country, a lot of NSA people know there's a great book called, uh, um, uh, what is it? Kiss, uh, kiss, bow, shake, kiss, hand. bow, or shake hands, kiss, bow, yeah. or shake hands. Right. So I have that book. So here's what I do. I have a lot of friends who speak Spanish in from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. I will translate the speech myself. Mm-hmm. So in the early days, I would have someone translate it for me. But now what I do is I will translate the speech myself, give it to a friend of mine. She will always tell me, you write Spanish like a gringo. I was like, all right, I am. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I'm thinking translate, which is a more literal translation, but maybe there's a syntax difference or maybe there's just a, you know, whatever. Again, we know that sarcasm and humor and stuff there they really don't translate. And then, come, then she'll give it back to me and uh, I will then practice. 
and I practice. And the way I practice is I will sit here in front of my computer. Mm -hmm. I have my notes on my iPad. I take my phone. I have a microphone and I read the speech. And then while I'm out driving, I, while walking, I listen to myself giving that speech. And then I go, okay, you need to say that different, say that different. Well, that wasn't right. Well, that was pretty good. And then I'll do it again and do it again, do it again. So by the time I've given the speech, I've heard myself give that speech 20, 25, 30 times. And I know what it's supposed to sound like. So when I'm, I'm giving it, I'm hearing myself give that speech. I know what it's supposed to sound like. So your speech, when you're doing them in Spanish, they're not, so I know there's different ways of speaking, you know, and in NSA, we know we all have different ways. Some of us memorize our talks. Some of us are much more conversational. So it sounds like yours is a little bit more memorized when you're doing it in Spanish. Is that Especially if it's a new speech, especially if it's a new speech. Okay. Uh, In English, I don't use notes at all. My slides, so in terms of the slides, if I'm going to another country, the slides are in their, in their language. Okay. Uh, occasionally, they're in both languages. If there are people in the audience that, you know, you go some places, they get the earpiece on. Some people are hearing you in Spanish, some are not. Uh, or, in, or speaking in English, some people are hearing you in another language. So I might do both. Um, but usually, like if I'm in South America, if I'm in Guatemala, whatever, the slides are in Spanish. Um, and I'm speaking, I'm pretty much sticking to the script Uh, only because I don't feel comfortable enough to go off script that much. Now, certain topics, I will add some stuff to, but not like I do in English. English, I'm adding stuff all the time. English, I'm adding on the fly, right? We're we're doing that, right? Spanish, it's pretty much going to be what's on the notes. And what I try to do is I try to put down on paper. I don't do this in English. I try to put down on paper in Spanish what I would be saying in English, what is that story? What is the, what are those things mm-hmm. to make it feel more conversational, but the more I've practiced or the more I've given that speech, the more conversational it sounds to them. I do have the iPad for a crutch. Like I did when I started in English, I had, you know, for a crutch, um, it's there, but it's, you know, I'm, 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 I may be a glance, um, if it's a new speech, mm-hmm. And I hate to say this because I'm a CSP Global Speaking Fellow. If it's a new speech, almost all the photos are me looking down <laughs> you know, at yes. my notes. Because uh, yeah, I'm afraid if I look up, I'm going to lose my place. If I've done it before, it's like, I know what's on there. I just, right. I just need to say it again. Okay. So I want to leave, leave us asking you one question. Because there are people right now that are listening to us that are thinking, oh, my God, Alan is magic. That's amazing. I wish I could do that. I don't have the time or the <laughs> focus or I don't know how it ever what one piece of advice would you give to people that are listening right now that have a desire to do what you did, but maybe not the confidence to do it yet? You just have to do it. Uh, anything hard is worth doing. I'm learning French now. And Ooh. there were days when I, I, I just don't feel like it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started French differently. I didn't start with Rosetta Stone. I started with an audio program. There's a guy on Audible, Paul Noble, N-O-B-L-E. He's mm-hmm. got Spanish and French and German. I really love the way he teaches. They're really inexpensive. Paul Noble. Um, and the, the problem I'm finding with French is I don't know what the words look like. I know what they sound like. I don't know what they look like. Rosetta Stone gave me what they look like. So now I have Rosetta Stone French. Okay. So I can see because French something... But there are days when you don't feel like doing it and it's like anything else that's worth doing. You do it and then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And then well, here's what I do. I go back to beginner lessons. After I finished, I finished two levels of Paul Noble. Mm-hmm. I, I bought a different level, somebody else's beginner okay. and go back again because they teach differently. And mm-hmm. it is so worth it because when you all of a sudden can have that conversation with someone, you're going to be like, yeah, 
And I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm not doing it for the attention. I thank you for inviting me here. I don't, I don't, didn't do it for that. I didn't do it to present in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I literally did it. And one of, the, one of the hardest things to do as an adult is to learn a new language. Mm-hmm. And when you're an adult of a certain age, you know, let's say somewhere between AARP card and Medicare, I'm, you know, somewhere between them. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard. It is really hard, but it is so much more satisfying because it's hard. And that's what people who ask me, why did you start learning Spanish? And I said, porque es difícil, mm-hmm. because it's hard, right? Because if we I, if say, uh, porque uh, no hacemos cosas con difíciles, no crecemos. Because if we don't do things that are hard, we don't grow. We certainly want to grow. However, we don't all learn the same way. Our next guest is a polyglot who picked up her languages using different techniques. On this segment of Voices of Experience, we have Diana Watson with us to talk about how we can incorporate foreign languages into our speaking businesses. Now, Diana is the 2017 Mandarin National Champion. In fact, she is the first foreigner to beat all native speakers in a Mandarin Toastmasters speech contest. Diana, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. I'm honored to be here. Okay, Mandarin, at what point did you decide to learn another language and why? Was Mandarin the first one that you learned? No, Mandarin is actually my fourth foreign language. Wow. My fourth foreign language, and I live in Taiwan, and Taiwan is my fourth foreign country. So ever since I was little, my mom says she remembers when I was three years old, I was running around the house saying that I wanted to live in other countries, and I used to look at those old globes, those Rand McNally globes from back in the day with my Mm -hmm. sister, and my sister, she loved languages. She's a French and a Spanish high school instructor, and when she was younger, she used to come home and teach me me everything that she learned in school. So it started almost from birth, my interest in languages and cultures. So yeah. Yeah. If I remember correctly in, in reading your story, you were an educator as well when it came to was it ESL? So did, did that kind of influence your wanting to learn or were you already learning before you took that up? I am a retired ESL instructor. I taught ESL for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I took it up was because I knew that I loved languages and the whole process of language learning. Mm -hmm. And that process, that struggle of learning another language, I realized that's what I loved. And I loved helping other people overcome their language journey with English. So I got a job teaching Spanish. I wasn't the best Spanish instructor, but I realized, well, I don't want to teach Spanish, but I want to teach maybe Spanish speakers English. So that's how I broke into the industry. And uh, 20 years later, you know, I'm retired and I've learned a lot of the tricks of the trade from how I taught my students how to learn English. I use it myself for the uh, different languages that I learned. I'm the first foreigner to beat all native Mandarin speakers in a speech contest. And that led me to start this business called the Speaking Seed, which focuses on, you know, people who want to use another language that they're not completely comfortable with and, you know, for to share information and experiences to an audience where using those speeches accelerates your language learning, your foreign language learning, and also promotes cultural and global understanding. So I do that and I advise organizations 
on how to help their teams be successful expatriates. Before I begin with finding a process, I want to share with speakers first about the growing opportunity for speakers to use another language in their presentations or coaching sessions or advising, particularly with how global our society is these days. There's a lot of multinational corporations where they need, they're starving for international talent. They need expatriates to go overseas and to have a great, develop great relationships with the local country stakeholders. So for example, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers said there was going to be a 50% increase in international assignments mm. within w- within the next one or two years. And there's talent gaps. Okay. So there's lower birth rates all over the world. It's mm. in Europe and Asia, as well as North America and South America, there's, there's talent gaps. So right now, one of the things that speakers can look at is look at the fact that if you were to incorporate a foreign language and be an advocate for foreign language learning and cultural understanding, it's a huge market that's being untapped. So in regards to some of my tips for using a language uh, in another, in speeches, one of the first things I suggest for people, let's say you're just going to another country and you're giving a speech in Norway. Okay. When you're in Norway, learn the favorite food. Okay. The favorite food, the, 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 the nation's favorite food. Every country has one. I guess in America, for us, it's hamburger and french fries. For Norway, maybe it's some kind of a fish. Learn the name of that food. Try the food. Learn that word and learn how to pronounce it perfectly. Okay. And weave it into your speech. It warms up the audience so much. It shows that you care about their country, their culture. You're not just there to make a quick buck and give your speech and leave. It makes a huge difference. Another thing, let's say, for example, you've been studying Norwegian for a long time Mm -hmm. and you don't feel that confident using it, but you want to try to, you you want to try to use it a little bit in, in your presentations. Number one, you want to make sure that you have, that you have concentrated seat time. And my business is called the speaking seed. And one of the things that I focus on is making sure that any of my clients has seat time. Seat time is when you have dedicated time to practicing or rehearsing your stories or experiences with an audience in that language. You need that, whether it's virtual or live in person. Of course, live in person is always great, but you need, you need that dedicated time. Now, another thing that you can do is if you do feel the confidence that you can, that you want to be able to use a part of your speech in that target language, I would suggest just using, just using a part of it, just this a little bit, maybe the first one or two minutes in the beginning, not in the middle, not in the end because you're not going to have the courage then. You may mess up. But in the beginning, do your introduction of, of, of who you are and how much you love the country. Easy sentences, easy things to, to explain in that language. And then you can switch over to English. People will still be impressed. People will still love you. Okay. So honoring them. Now let's look at learning. So someone that's sitting at home right now saying, I want to learn. They already know the language they even want to learn but they don't know where to start. 
what quick and easy strategies can you offer or tips or tools would you suggest for them to just get started now and not wait? Okay, the the tips and strategies that I would use to get started right now, you need to have a tutor Mm -hmm. and you need to also be in a class. Okay. You need both. Why? Because in a classroom environment, you'll be pushed which is what you need to be because we're, we're all adults. We're all full-time working adults. We're busy. We have so many other demands. If we're just working with a tutor one-on-one, you're not going to push yourself and you're not going to learn. But if you're in a class mm-hmm. and you know, you're with others and every, and you have tests and homework assignments and a teacher that's going to scold you if you don't get your work done because you're wasting their time, mm-hmm. you're going to learn. Guaranteed, you're going to learn a lot faster. I mean, there's always an opportunity to, you know, to still drop out, but there's less, there's less likely, it's less likely that you're going to, because you'll feel that pressure from classmates and from an instructor, but you also need a tutor. A tutor is important because if you want to utilize this, the the language, the target language in speeches or interacting with different clients in some way, you want to make sure that your comprehension and your speaking skills are on point. And I mean on point. So for example, in Mandarin, tones and pronunciation is 50% of the language. Mm. 50%. And I would argue, you know, we don't focus that so much when we're learning Spanish and French and other languages that are more closely related to English, but it's still just as important, just as important. Mm-hmm. This is powerful because in an era where we oftentimes turn to apps, you're giving us a different strategy. But what I know from what you said is that for anyone listening right now, I promise you, your local community college or university, they all have language courses. I've taken some. So I know they exist all around the country. So it sounds like that's a good resource. They can probably point you to tutors through those classes. I'm sure the professors would be more than happy to point you in the direction because it means you're taking the class seriously. So thank you for giving us that resource. Is there anything else, you know, because you, you've given us some ways that we can lightly incorporate the language if we don't know it well. You've given us some resources for really being serious about learning the language. Is there any other tip or tactic or anything else you want to leave people with as we close that, you know, just to really push them towards moving forward? Well, you need to build a, a social network with people in that target language. That's, that's important. When I moved to Taiwan, one of the first things I made a decision about in comparison to my other expat assignments, I decided that I, I didn't want to hang out with foreigners all the time anymore. I wanted to make local friends. I wanted to practice the language that I was using. Now, I know for a lot of our speakers, you know, you're traveling all the time. You're mainly dealing with people who are speaking to you in English, but there are lots of opportunities virtually at this point now where you can interact in these chat rooms with people in the local language. And I know a lot of them. I know people who are learning Russian and German and a lot of languages here in Taiwan where they don't have the opportunity to interact with them that much, but they find, they still find events like through Eventbrite or through online Toastmaster clubs where they get that opportunity to practice. Thank you for tuning in to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. Catch us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and NSA's social media profiles. 
Have you been wondering how to charge for virtual? Should you charge your full in-person fee? Maybe a fraction? Tune in for next week's episode, Two Price Perspectives, to hear from two speakers who are having success using opposing strategies. I'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.